Hi, welcome to a special edition of the Pick 6 NFL Podcast. If you're finding us for the first time, please subscribe anywhere podcasts are found and on YouTube at youtube.com slash pick six. I'm Leslie Visser of CBS, the first woman enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This is about my 35th Super Bowl. And uh, along the way, you know, you make a lot of good friends. And today I'm going to be talking to one of my very, very favorites of all time. He is uh, all together now. <laughs> the only player, let me see if I get this right, to have won the Heisman Trophy, uh, playing the glamour position at the glamour school, uh, the NCAA title, the NFL Rookie of the Year, the NFL MVP to win the Super Bowl and be the MVP of the Super Bowl. God, you must have been exhausted. Leslie, you missed you missed one thing, Leslie. You should have said family. You know, we're family. You know that. Come on. We are family. I do I do feel that of you. And Marcus, you know, it's that time of year. Everyone talks about you, about the Super Bowl. Can you just one more time? Uh what did he say? Run with the night. On came Marcus Alec. Just the way he said it was just, oh. uh, just amazing. And tell me some of the strangest places that someone has ever yelled out, <laughs> Bob Treo. <laughs> well, I've actually had a guy. I wish I could find it now. I wish I was prepared. A guy made a T-shirt, and it was a great-looking T-shirt too, and gave me one, and it had seventeen Bob Treo. With the zigzag run, I mean, all the way to the goal line. It was absolutely beautiful and stuff. So uh, people have said 17 Bob Trail, but that was actually the best gift that I've ever received. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of hard. I mean, to wear it in public and stuff. Obviously it's like wearing a jersey, which I would never do. Uh, but I like the shirt though. So it's cool. I actually have one of those shirts. It's got the, uh, where you cut back. It does. It goes, but would you just, just describe it? Describe. Uh, I mean, obviously, they called that play so often during the year, but you know, just tell us about it again. Well, it was a uh, it was a power play off the left side, and you know, I'm supposed to run off the double team. I think it was a um, an under defense on that side, so you you, you sort of know what to expect. The ball is going to go outside unless the the linebacker completely you know forces everything back in. But I was in a really sort of terrible relationship with the guard as I was you know, he was pulling. And I'm uh, taking the handoff. And I actually got to the outside of him, and I couldn't get back underneath. And then the safety was blitzing at the same time. So I saw him come up, and I made a U-turn, and sort of the rest is sort of time travel, as I call it. I was, I was, I felt like I was running warp speed, and everybody else was running uh, in cement cleats. And so <laughs> what was really cool was sort of the just the awareness that I had. You know, I mean, everything. I mean, my my awareness was so keen. I felt like I had eyes and a back of my head, on top of my head. I mean, every single direction. I was just aware of everything that was going on in the stadium. And um, it was just it was just cool. And when I got near the end zone around the 10-yard line, everything sort of got to normal speed and stuff. So that's how it happened. Uh, do you think that Neil Okowitz hates this time of the year? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing, uh, what was really interesting in the world that I just described to you, where, I mean, everything was so sort of metaphysical and stuff, but 
I could actually just, you know, everything was in slow mo again. I can really see sort of the desperation on his face as, as he was grasping for me. Um, I can almost see every single detail of uh, the anxiety that he had. Um, no, I'm, 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 when I'm it's so it's so hard to describe. I'm trying to the best I can, but it was I was I can I just was aware of every single thing that was going on in the stadium. Even when I crossed the uh, the goal line, I actually saw the uh, it was uh, it was like the Redskins cheerleaders were crying. I mean, it was <laughs> so. I mean, they they knew it was over. I mean, everybody knew it was over at that after that point. So. Hey, you don't see very often that an entire team runs into the end zone after yeah. that isn't game winning or so decisive. I mean, wh- why do you think that happened? Well, I mean, I think obviously it was uh, it was seventy four yards, and I think it was uh, done in a way that sort of uh, maybe surprised and you know sort of. Uh, galvanized everybody and excited everybody. And I remember, you know, when I turned around and I think I, I think I dropped the ball. I'm not quite sure, but I stood there and I gave somebody a high five. But I remember, I think Mike Haynes came out. It was Lester Hayes. I think it was uh, Clee Montgomery, Cliff Branch. I mean, all these guys started running up to me and stuff. And those are moments you never forget because as a team, you know, you, you can, you can be away from teammates for years, you know what I mean? But, the Super Bowl is what, you know, what bonds you, what, you know, what sort of, you know, keeps you together and reminds you of the, the great things, the effort that we put forth, the, the energy and the, and the, all the practices and all, all the things that, you know, the hard work that came to fruition, those, you know, that one game and those one moments and stuff that we all always remember. And it just felt good that my teammates just came out and just, it, it, it was just great, you know, and celebrated with me, but it was great though. And even when I got to the, uh, to the sidelines, I remember Matt Millen a little later in the game, you know, hit me on the shoulder and stuff and pointed to the, um, uh, to the scoreboard. And they said, you know, it said Marcus Allen MVP of Super Bowl uh, 18. So it was, it was, it was phenomenal. You know, you played with such crazies. You have to talk about the personalities on that team. I remember Matt, <laughs> when Matt, uh, he got hurt. And so, you know, I had to stand outside the locker room and do the report. And I'm doing the report. And Matt Millen opened the locker room door, stuck his head out. And for all of America to hear, he said, you get paid for that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had some funny guys, you know. And and, and speaking of the Super Bowl, uh you know, the first, uh, I think Wednesday, we may have, may have had curfew on Wednesday, you know, I may confuse the days and stuff, but we had seven guys miss curfew. And so we, you know, we feel like, Oh, good. You know, that's, you know, we're right on par. The Raiders are, you know, their attitudes aren't changing. They're not getting nervous. They're being themselves. Right. But what happened during, um, practice, we usually have a fight or two during practice and we hadn't had one. And so Matt Millen staged one. With, uh, <laughs> with Mickey Marvin. I mean, it was so, it was so, it was so good. It drew blood, right? And the man says, well, how did it, how did it look? Did I, did, did I do that well? I mean, he, he, he started to fight because obviously, you know, we usually have fights during practice and we hadn't had one. And so maybe he was superstitious and he, he got into a fight. It was so, it was so well acted. But it, I mean, again, it drew blood and it was like afterwards, it's like, how did it, how did it go? Did I do well? (laughs) (laughs) But but how do you account? I guess, you know, the, the locker room is the great melting pot, but I mean, account for you had 
a Mormon in Christensen, <laughs> yes, you know, uh, big ridiculous vocabulary, and then yes. El Zedo, you know, who ate fire for breakfast. Yes, it it, it was. You know what though? It was like um, we had like a, you know fifty three different personalities that came together for a common cause, and that was the beauty of it. Yeah, a lot was you know unpredictable, crazy. Lester Hayes was funny, you know. You know, we, we, we had guys that were just, uh, you know, Todd, obviously, you know, he, you know, he was a sesquipedian, right? He, he, he talked over everybody. I mean, he, every word he used was, went over everybody's head, right? They, they didn't understand a word, uh, that Todd said. But the thing about Todd that was so great and, and about the rest of the guys, though, they love football, right? And they, and they really, really, wanted to, you know, sort of to make the best out of their opportunities. And Todd was one of those guys. And I mean, he could, I mean, I, I, I love Todd. Uh, you know, we used to run out on a field together, uh, not only during the Super Bowl, but during warmups, but we did it at every game prior to that. He and I became great friends and, you know, we lost him and I'm, and I'm just, I was just heartbroken when that happened and stuff, but you have all these guys that are just different people, right? But football brings you together and galvanizes you. It could be from socioeconomic, different colors, you know, whatever it may be. Football brings, you know, sports brings you together. And it just sort of, uh, you know, and, and despite all the other, you know, the things that are, you know, external things out there, this is like our focus. And right. And if we, you know, if we focus at the right time and give it the energy that it deserves, it'll be great. And it was great that Sunday. Uh, take me back to the Super Bowl. Was this such a different time in the NFL or just because you guys were so crazy that um, didn't you rent a car to go to the game? <laughs> well, yeah, I, no, I didn't. Well, I don't, matter of fact, I don't even know how I got the car. But, yes, we had rental cars. Uh, several players had rental cars. And this is my su- first Super Bowl. I don't know, right? Usually – Guys, at that time, you know, obviously that was a long time ago. We 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 caught um, we either caught the bus. There was an early bus that left, and and then there was a late bus that left. And if you didn't want to catch either either bus, you would catch a cab, right? So a lot of guys would you know catch cabs usually and and go and and get there early. But I we we had a car, so I mean I I didn't know. I so I drove with Otis McKinney. He and I, you know, we. We drive to the to the stadium and we pull up to the parking attendant and and I said, ma'am, uh, excuse me, uh, where did the players park? She says, uh, well, do you have a parking pass? And I said, no. She says, well, you can't get in. And I go, wait, 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 no, seriously, ma'am. Um, you know, she must have missed no, the seriously. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't do this right here, right? <laughs> I didn't say, hey, do you recognize me? No, I didn't do that. But what I, I said, no, seriously, ma'am. No, no, no. I'm, I'm playing. I play with the Raiders. Um, I, I'm number 32. I didn't know I didn't say that, but I said, <laughs> I, I, you know, I listen here. I need to get into the, she says, I listen, I don't care who, who you are, who you play for. If you don't have a parking pass, you can't get in. And so I just backed the car up. I pulled it against the curb and, uh, Otis McKinney, uh, looked at me and I looked at him and it was just sort of mental telepathy. I grabbed my bag. He grabbed his bag and we took off running to the locker room and we left the car running right there. And to this day, I don't know what happened to it. So that is a true story. So I go into the locker room and now it's like guys, you know, they're normal guys listen to music. Some guys have headphones on, 
uh, some guys are, uh, I mean, back then they were smoking and stuff, right? And some guys were <laughs> playing cards as usual. But, you know, I was just sort of smiling the, the, the entire time. And that sort is of, so, uh, for, for young people who are yeah. this, you know, now it's so militaristic and this bus will leave at this time. And this yes. The place. My favorite um, smoking story was, uh, remember when the Lakers got Vladi Divac? Uh-huh. <laughs> and the first uh, halftime, Magic had to say to him, um, Vladi, in this country, we don't smoke at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish uh, Magic would have came in our locker room and told our guys that because we had several when I first got there. So I was kind of shocked myself. But You obviously ran gloriously with the ball. You caught the ball. You even had a touchdown pass to Christensen. Uh, how did you account for your own versatility? Well, I've always wanted to be a uh, an every-down player. And I, I think just the fact, Leslie, we can sort of, you know, you have to reflect back and just say, listen here, I was blessed. You know, I was born to two great parents, and I, I didn't ask for any uh, of the qualities or talent that I got. But by the grace of God, I just happened to have all the things that uh, were, uh, you know, necessary to be a great player and I had the sort of the intestinal fortitude and the and the real and and really the desire so I think playing quarterback certainly helped me out a lot you know handling the ball every single day while I was in high school throwing the ball obviously catching it and and doing and understanding you know and, and playing fullback too during my college year and professionally a little bit just helped me become an overall player and I always wanted to be an every down player not a guy who was a specialty player, like who just, just would come in for third downs or who who would run the ball and have to go out doing a passing situation. No, I wanted to play every single down. I wanted to play all the time. So, And they always said the more that you can do, the better you are, you know, so. Who are guys in your time that they hit you, you knew you got hit, you know, like Brett Favre, <laughs> Warren Sapp, right, or Michael Strahan, or you know who were guys? Maybe Deron Cherry. I don't, I don't even know. Or Easley. Who were guys that you said, "Ouch"? Kenny Easley was a beast, um, and I think it was Kenny Easley who gave me a black eye. Uh, <laughs> what? During yeah, well, during the AFC Championship game, I think it was him. It may have been somebody else, but I know. Listen here, I'm, I'm crazy, right? Uh, we were playing the Seahawks for the AFC Championship game. And uh, we were down near the goal line, and I nodded. We were in a far, I think, a far left situation. I was lined up on the right side. Frank Hawkins, I think, was the fullback. And I think they handed it off to Frank. And I was the lead blocker. And I and, and prior to the snap, I saw Kenny, uh, and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I nodded, like, towards him, like, here I come. <laughs> like the backyard? Yeah. And, and all I remember, I think I got a forearm between my um, – <laughs> between the face masks, right? And I walk out with, you know, I was dazed and I had a, you know, I had a um, uh, black eye, obviously. That uh, And so I, I went into the Super Bowl with a black eye. <laughs> so <laughs> very few people remember that. I mean, obviously it lessened as the, the game got closer, but I had a black eye. And Kenny was a beast. But, I mean, other than that, I really did not get hit very hard. And I can actually credit that to Ronnie Lott and Dennis Smith. They used to beat me up so much at SC that I got I, I got better, and I was able to, to avoid hits or rather big hits. And so, um, but Kenny was a you, you mentioned him. He was a man. He was a competitor. He was 
and he brought it every single time. He played with such conviction that, you know, I mean, I, I always played uh, with conviction myself, but he certainly, you know, when a guy elevates his, he's, you, you, you certainly have to elevate yours because if you don't, he'll win every single time. And, and I wasn't never going to let that happen. You know, you mentioned Ronnie Lott, and I think a lot of people would be really surprised. You know, every senior in high school now has his position. Yes. But weren't you not certain when you went to SC that you were going to be the tailback? Oh, no, 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 no. First of all, I went there as a defensive back. And I had this, I had this one picture, um, and it's a great photograph. It's me and, and the, the people that you know would be Dennis Smith and Ronnie, and there were several other DBs. I think Jeff Fisher was in there too. And, um, and there's me, number 33. Right? So I'm taking a picture with the DBs. And then it was later when all the running backs got hurt, John Robinson asked me to come over and, and play running back. And I said, yes. And that's how it happened. But I still end up rooming with Ronnie because I was sort of a, I had a sort of a defensive mentality. And those were always the guys that I hung around with. So even though I, I was a running back, I ended up hanging out with all the defensive guys. So that's how, and then we roomed together in college and stuff. And, you know, Ronnie was, uh, he was a chef. He, uh, he always made hamburger helper or a variety of hamburger helpers and stuff, you know, so that's how we got through college. <laughs> was it, I don't know if it was you or Jim Brown. I should not, <laughs> I should, right. but one of, one of you said there are only two kinds of running backs, those who know and those who don't. Oh, I actually said that. Well, what does that I've, mean? I've learned a lot from, from Jim, but that was actually my quote. Um, well, I'm just saying there's two types of players is really what I said. Those who know and those who don't. And the ones that know the most usually go the furthest and are more successful. Um, and I'm just talking about being a, a complete student of the game, you know, knowing everything about the game, even know what the defensive players are doing, even knowing what the offensive players are doing on every single situation. The guys usually are the smartest, smartest guys are the ones that, um, last the longest. I'll give you a great example. I mean, Ted Hendricks, Ted slowed down tremendously when, you know, when I got there, but he was so smart, right? And so he was always making plays and you wonder how he made those plays. It was not just by, you know, athleticism. It was by the, his brain. He, he anticipated, he knew what was coming. He would actually, when they bring in somebody, who wasn't starting, he would actually tell the secondary guy what to do. He was so smart. I mean, that's that's what I mean. There are those who know and those who don't know. And the guys who know the most usually are more successful and go the furthest. Oh, that's great. I remember once another thing you said was that um, you didn't just want to be a running back who carried the ball. You also yeah. wanted to be someone who was in the end zone and what does it take to have that mentality? Well, I always thought that I was not <clears throat> uh, paid to run. I was I was paid to get it to to score. So I saw myself as a scorer, not just a. I mean, a. Uh, of course, you run the ball. Of course, you you know you catch passes and, and occasionally you throw the ball and stuff like that. But I thought the ultimate objective for me being on the offense was to get into the end zone. And so I just made a I made a habit at it habit of it rather. I mean, even in, you know, doing warmups, I made sure that I would always cross the goal line. I would cross the goal line and get into that mentality that I would actually, 
you know, stretch in the end zone, not in the field of play, but I would stretch in the end zone because I, that's where I wanted to be. That's where I wanted to be comfortable, you know. This is my goal right here. So I had all these habits that led to that, you know what I mean? So it is, you know, I, I always thought you measured by, you know, not necessarily the yards and between the goal lines and stuff, but do you get over the goal line and stuff? So I had 145 touchdowns. Actually, I should have had maybe 50 more, unfortunately, but that's the way, <laughs> that's we'll the way it that. was. But I always, always wanted to score. Well, and what is it? You were known as being just so tough in short yardage. And like you said, you really, no one ever saw Marcus Allen really get hit straight on. But tell me about at the goal line. Would you feel Leslie, Leslie, again, to me, and I always tell people that it is knowledge. There's only two defenses. There's a 5-3 and a 6-2, right? And every single situation, you know, and maybe it helped because I sort of um, played defense, you know, when I was in high school and I was an aggressive defensive player. So I sort of knew what to look for and actually use people's aggression against them, right? But I always knew the soft spots, I always knew where to run. Now, nothing's ever guaranteed. There's sometimes you have to turn nothing into something, right? Sometimes, you know, things break down, but I always knew where to run. I always knew, you know, against a 6-2, you know, either this guy's going to pinch or he's going to go out and the linebacker's going to hit the hole. I mean, all those things, you know, to anticipate. And then the offside linebacker, who's usually so aggressive, he usually, you know, doesn't uh, maintain his responsibility. He comes over to this lane, and if I hit the right relationship between the guard and the center, I can, I can, I can go through the back door. You know, I mean, so all this stuff is just, you know, just knowledge, and 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 obviously, you know, having the experience of doing it over and and over and over again. But in addition to that, being successful over and over over again, you know. So I, I, I was telling somebody the other day, you know, just in regards to the Super Bowl, how comfortable I was is because I've actually been in that situation my whole life. You know, even from a Pop Warner level, you, you, I was always either, either making a play when the game was on the line or having the ball in my hand when the game was on, on the line, right? Same thing in high school, same thing in college. So when we got to the biggest stage, I was actually, I've, I've been there before in such a comfort level that nothing bothered me and stuff. So that was, it was a blessing that I succeeded so much in those situations as a young person. And I built on that. Well, I don't know. I think your hips were about 32 inches <laughs> <laughs> on top of well, that. <laughs> I, you know, I, they would say get skinny in the hole. And the funny thing was, is that we would watch film and guys would say, how did you do that? And the honest answer is, if somebody told you, if somebody gave you an answer other than you don't know, they're full of it, right? <laughs> they're just trying to sound, they're trying to sound smart and stuff like that. But the reality is, I don't know. I don't know how I did that, um, how I got skinny. I used to get through holes that were, you know, just extremely small. And I know I was born the year of the rat, so maybe I can attribute it to that. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, tell me how you think the game has changed. I mean, you were a running back MVP of the league, and it was around the time Walter Payton was, Campbell yeah. was after you, Emmett Smith was, Thurman Thomas was, and you know you don't really see running backs as the MVP anymore. Well, they're throwing the ball a lot more. 
And uh, the reality is, is obviously the guys who, you know, that, that, that touch the ball, you know, have a greater chance of uh, winning that award, you know. So receivers have a greater chance because they're getting so many receptions. You know, when I think I first came in the league, man, the average maybe 20 times a game, maybe 20, maybe 25 max uh, of, of throwing the ball. Now it's almost they're averaging. I got to be thirty-five, forty times. So, but the demise of the running back, regardless of you know how many times they throw it, is, is that exaggerated? I mean, every team needs a running back to win, and so uh, they can pretend like they don't need him, but in, in, at the end, they certainly do, especially when that inclement weather. You know. You know what? What was that for you? That of course, it, I'm sure it took a long time to work it out, but. You came off such success and you were so popular in Los Angeles. And then Al Davis, it, at least it seemed, he kind of benched you for four years. Well, listen, you know, I, I've discussed that. Um, and I've always been really sort of open about just sort of, you know, putting things behind you and living in the here and the now, you know, uh, really didn't quite understand it, but I'm not going to I didn't dwell on it. I just said, hey, that happened. You know, what do I do now? What do, let me try to make the best out of the situation now. And I remember Mark Davis uh, asking me after Al had passed to light the torch for uh, Al in Oakland. And I said, absolutely, I'll do it and stuff because I, I, I don't like to live in, the, in a negative world. I like to be as positive as possible and stuff. And I had great years with him um, just because we didn't get along at times and it was a bumpy road does, does not mean that I didn't have a uh, wonderful memories with the Raiders and, and, and the players and, and administrative people there and Mark Davis, um, who I love. So we always remain friends. Um, it is something that happened. Uh, I wish it didn't happen, but it did. It was, you know, I, I think unnecessary, whatever it was, but, uh, it, it's, it's worked its way out now to, I think, a situation where, you know, I, I feel great about the Raiders going there. Uh, contributing, uh, either talking to players or uh, in any way possible that I can. So, you know, it's great to be part of the organization. So, Yeah, tell me about the team now that uh, I think I think you told me you're working with Jacobs. or I mean, what do you see? Are they stuck? Are they moving forward? Where are they? I think they're moving forward. I just think they have to uh, continue to grow. It's, you know, the leadership is a it, – it's so necessary, Um and I, and I'm not talking about just from, you know, the, you know, from GM or president on down or whatever it may be, coach, whatever. I'm talking about players on the field. And I look back at the team that I was lucky enough to be a part of. I mean, we had, we had, we had coaches at almost at every position. I mean, we had guys that were veterans and knew what to do, you know, and they were so well informed they, and they knew how to motivate, but they, you know, they took care of their own responsibility too while you know, getting guys to do theirs. And they were all smart. I mean, when you got a Mike Haynes, you know, when you got a Howie Long, you got a Matt Millen. I mean, these are all really smart players and stuff. And, and we had sort of the same on offense. So I think, you know, there just has to be a maturity there and they need some leadership. They have a lot of young players defensively. We know they're going to be good offensively. They put points on the board, but defensively, they just have to grow up and they have to sort of get some, some, some leaders on the field. Some yeah, didn't one of um, didn't one of the players himself, the linebacker Morrow, is that his name? He he just said we are not accountable. 
that we have no accountability and that we as players have to do a better job. And, you know, I would like to more in the league. Players please players. You know, I mean, we, we know, uh, you know, coaches obviously stay in the office all night long, which I think is crazy, by the way, right? You know, I'm, I'm really into sort of time management. But as, as teammates, you know, we police our teammates. We know who's either, you know, not doing what they're supposed to do, who's staying out late. We know that, right? And if you have real leaders on the team defensively, offensively, you make sure, right, it's not about the coaches. And that's one of the great things about Marty Schottenheimer was I could say that was my team, right? If I didn't like the way things were going at practice, right, I can say, let's start all over. We're going to get our butt kicked. Let's start all over. This is, you know, this is terrible. Marty would say, start all over. <laughs> so I know, I mean, I know that sound, but that's really important. And if you don't have those kind of people, right, then you just sort of, you know, you don't have the leadership that's necessary or people who are going to, you know, um, call you out, not because they're, you know, they're trying to offend you, because they're trying to elevate you as a teammate and elevate the team, too. I mean, most great leaders actually not only care about themselves, they're trying to make you as, as great as possible so you can so you can reach your goal. So one of the things, uh, you know, um, that is challenging but great and it tests your character is, I mean, every single year as a running back that played 16 years, I have to really teach guys who they draft number one to take my place. Right. Right. So if you if if you're a good person, you're going to do the right thing. And if you're not insecure about your own ability, you'll still do the right thing. Uh, and I and and if you're a good teammate, because the one of the things you never want to happen was is like you did not give a young man information because you were sort of insecure, right? And then if you weren't able to play and they needed him and he wasn't ready because you were selfish. Did you have a good relationship with Bo Jackson? I had a, let me tell you, Bo will tell you today. Uh, I think I have a picture and he and I sitting on the sidelines together, right? I gave him, not only Bo, I gave Eric Dickerson, I gave Roger Craig, everything they needed to succeed. I did not hold back because I was competing against them. So. <sighs> See, that's, that's right. You've, that's, uh... that's leadership that you need. Yeah, and you've, I mean, you've had such a glorious career and it worked out so well in Kansas City. Um, I just, I'd like to ask you before we go, um, what is Honey Badger doing with your number? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they ever are going to retire or not. But hey, listen, I, I like the way he plays. Right. I really do. He's, he's a uh, ball hawk. The ball's in the air too. He'll, he'll try to, he'll get an interception, try to take it the, uh, the distance and stuff. And he only makes, he like, he makes a lot of plays defensively, makes a lot of tackles and stuff. But going back just real quickly before we go, the, 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 the greatest indicator that I did the right thing, uh, with all those guys is we're friends. And if I didn't do the right thing, you know, there's no way you can be friends with guys who, uh, obviously did not uh, give you information when you needed it on the field to play. So, but we're all good friends. So uh, that's a great indicator. Uh, tell me how you see this Super Bowl. Well, I, I, I still give the nod to the Chiefs and, and unless somebody knocks them off, uh, you know, they're the defending champion and they look so, they just look so good. They have so many weapons and 
you, you got two quarterbacks, one that will may argue, arguably sit, be the, the greatest ever, you know, and it's, and I always, cause I played with Joe Montana and I love Joe, but Tom, obviously with the amount of, you know, Super Bowl he's been, been in and, and the amount that he's won, obviously. But then you've got this young man, uh, Patrick Mahomes is just, it's just uncanny. I mean, the angles, I mean, he throws the ball from every angle better than most people throw it from one, you know, underhanded sidearm, everything, you know. Yeah, the shovel pass, though. He does, he does it all. And then he, but he has this, uh, this real gunslinger mentality that I really like, you know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, he's just fearless. If he throws a pick, he just like, like all great players, uh, as, as they should be, should have a very short, he has a short memory because he comes back and, you know, he'll, he'll fire it again next time and he'll, you know, he'll be successful. So I, I, I'm going to give it to the Chiefs. One, because, you know, I'm always pulling for them anyway, but I mean, just, uh, you know, just being pragmatic, just being, you know, it's just using common sense too. Uh, I don't know. People have lost a lot of money not betting on Tom. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, no, no question about it. No question about it, but, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> Plus they, that they, have great, they have a great defense, but listen, they're not until somebody stops them. Will I, you know, will I give, uh, you just gotta, you just gotta give the nod to uh, the Chiefs. They have so many weapons. They got the fastest player in the league. They got the best, you know, one could say the best tight tight end in the league. I mean, they run a ball. Well. Gronkowski. Huh? Don't don't say that Kelsey is. Don't tell that to Gronkowski. <laughs> well, I mean, listen here. Kronk had his day, but you can't, you know. Come on. I mean, we, we all have to sort of acknowledge, you know. I always, I hey, I always say he may be the latest, all right. As 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 it relates to other running backs, I would always say if somebody brought that to my attention, I would I would always say, well, he may be the latest, but he's not the greatest. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty good. You know, you mentioned um, your story was not unlike Tom Brady's. Tom had had enough of being in New England, went to a new franchise, and look at him here—he is in the Super Bowl. You left the Raiders and. Why did you pick Kansas City? What did you think they had outside of the other big gun? Or was that the reason that you went? Okay. One of the reasons that I picked Kansas City was Marty Schottenheimer called me every day. (laughs) But I didn't make the decision. Well, I mean, obviously, the pressure became greater once they signed Joe, right? And then they said, guess what? We're going from AstroTurf. To grass. I was kind of like, oh, you're really making this hard on me, right? <laughs> and then I said, let's go. Let's do it. Um, they were putting the pieces together, and I knew from playing there, they had one of the greatest fan bases um, in the league and, and one of the great ownerships in the league, and they still do. Just tremendous people there. And so I took a chance in, um, on going there, and it was, a, it, it was a decision that I don't regret. It was just a fantastic place. Uh, I'm, it's great to see them win now. I I would have liked to have been the team that would have brought to uh, the championship. Uh, you know, we got close to, to Kansas City. We got close and we lost to Buffalo there in the AFC championship game after Joe got knocked out. But uh, it was it was great. I remember um, one of my greatest memories was uh, actually the, that that loss uh, coming back. Obviously, everybody was disappointed because we had a great, great year. Again, we were in the game, then Joe got knocked out, and then obviously everything just fell apart. But I remember the flight home, and everybody was disappointed, and we landed. 
And, you know, like all guys do, they just go straight to their cars after a disappointing loss. And, and I remember pulling out the, uh, the airport. And as we were exiting, both sides of the road exiting the airport were filled with cheap fans. Uh, yeah. As, mm-hmm. you know, as we entered, yeah, into the freeway. Uh, and so it was a good maybe, I don't know, um, I don't know, like 10 football field lengths, you know what I mean? And so it was just people on both sides. And it's like, man, this is awesome. In defeat too, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing when people show up when you win, but when you lose and they still show up and they cheer you, uh, cheer you on, that was a great thing. So, you know, you are a, um, hall of famer on and off the field. You always have been. And, um, I just, I want to thank you so much for this, Marcus. I know everybody's pulling at you for your time, but I, I really, I love any time I can talk to you. Oh, come on, Leslie. We're not colleagues. We're family. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, You're Marcus. Right, right. And, and My you know, pleasure. I love you. To, um, and thank you uh, for watching to everyone. And we'll have lots more on the Pick 6 feed from the Super Bowl week. So sit back and enjoy. Thank you all.